Welcome to Make a Mixtapes. My name is Tom, and today we talk all about data-driven content marketing and capitalizing on trends. Gemma Joyce is the senior content manager at Brandwatch, a digital consumer intelligence platform that helps brands understand their customers. Here, Gemma shares Brandwatch's approach to data-driven content, particularly on why they focused on consumer trends early on to generate buzz, and how she goes about building out a narrative around the own data that Brandwatch has available. If you're new to Make a Mixtapes, this is a podcast about the entrepreneurs, marketers, and creators doing impressive things in their field. From content marketing to growth, YouTube to e-commerce and SaaS, it's my job to dissect their success. And that's exactly what I plan to do today. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation. Gemma, thank you very much for joining me today. Hello, thank you. Your tenure at Brandwatch stretches all the way back to 2015, and you've worked in like the field of social data journalism as an editor all the way up to a senior content manager where you're at today. And before I dig into each of those hats that you've worn, I'd love to learn about your journey into content marketing and how each of those roles within Brandwatch itself helped shape you as the marketer you are today. Absolutely. Sounds good. So I guess my background is in journalism. So I have a diploma in news journalism um, and I started off kind of my university career in kind of editing the student newspaper and, and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. so moving into content was a really natural kind of thing for me to do and the thing that first attracted me to Brownwatch was the fact that we have all this social data that we can analyze in all these different ways and can really pull out these really interesting and you know, in my mind at the time, kind of exclusive and exciting insights. And that's what meant that I started at the company as, as a social data journalist. And my job was to, to tell stories with the data that we have. Amazing. Fantastic. And I mean, what does a social data journalist actually do? Because it sounds like a cool title, but it's, it also sounds like you, you're wearing several hats at once, right? Definitely. Yeah, it, it was a very cool title and I kind of miss it because people would always ask me about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, it just meant writing blog posts and kind of various other formats occasionally about interesting data insights. And back in at that time in 2015, a lot of it was around kind of pop culture. Um, we would write a lot about believers and <laughs> One Direction um and then the u.s election in 2016 um so it was kind of like anything that was current and topical that we could jump in on that conversation provide some data and some kind of fun commentary and then just get us involved in that online i think at the time that kind of approach did raise some eyebrows kind of what is this b2b tech company doing writing about justin bieber I think it was probably partly to do with the fact that I was 22 and kind of let loose on this platform yeah. by myself. But those kinds of posts and that kind of data actually led to some really good kind of business results for us. So we got on BBC Radio 1 to talk about uh, Justin Bieber's career and numbers and that kind <laughs> of thing. So yeah, like a lot of that more trivial stuff actually led to some really interesting engagement with different media outlets and our clients would be interested in it as well and it was a really nice accessible way of learning what Brownwatch did. 
Yeah, I think a lot of B2B brands stray away from interesting angles like that. And I think nowadays it's becoming, you know, a little bit more mainstream, for lack of a better word. But it sounds like you guys were ahead of the curve. Was digital PR and outreach, so, you, you know, you said you were featured on, was it Newswatch, did you say? That's the, the TV show, right? I'm so out of touch with TV. <laughs> oh, no, no, it was um, Radio 1. I think oh, Radio they, 1. Clara Ampho had this, I think it was Clara Ampho, had, they had a series called Music and Numbers. And um, yeah, we were we were in talking about Justin Bieber. I think we might have done X Factor as well. But yeah, it was um, <laughs> wow. yeah, good fun. Yeah, I can imagine. Was digital PR like a core objective for that content, or was it just like a natural byproduct of what you were doing? I think for me, in that very like early period when I first started at Brownwatch, like the key metric for me was traffic like how many people are we getting on the site I would post things on reddit and try and get it on the front page and like just drive as many people as possible and it was really that kind of mindset of like get as many people in as possible some of them might buy from us a lot of them won't but we'll still kind of build up those like backlinks to the site and like eventually all that content helped lift up the site generally so that was really important and also from a kind of digital and PR perspective it was really helpful to have really topical insights that that could then be put in papers yeah absolutely and i mean reddit is a hard audience to crack did you see a a lot of success with them through you know the the kind of content that you were sharing with them yeah we had this kind of (laughs) i feel like i talk about this far too much (laughs) we had this kind of post that is now kind of legendary in terms of the records that it broke so uh, nintendo released a a YouTube trailer of a, the new Mario game and Super Mario was like running along the beach without a shirt on right. and the internet was going crazy because no one had ever seen that Mario had nipples before. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of saw this trend, it's kind of right up our alley because it's, you know, like a nice internet trend, pretty harmless and also like really interesting. So we wrote up a post about it that was simply looking at, was it more men or women that were talking about Mario's nipples. <laughs> <laughs> it probably took about an hour. Yeah. I put it up on Reddit and like within the next 24 hours, I think we had 250,000 people visit our no B2B way. marketing blog. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> to find out more about Mario's nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it? Was it men or women who were more it was interested? Men. I think it was like 63% of the conversation <laughs> was coming from men. It was, it was a kind of silly stat. Yeah. But yeah, it ended up in this massive boost in traffic. And then I remember the next day coming in and like the web team were like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> well, what have you done? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why are all these Redditors bombarding our blog? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I think that was the kind of the time where we really saw the power of Reddit to bring traffic to the site. And we've had kind of different bits of success with that. I'd say it's definitely not part of the strategy so much anymore, partly just yeah. because Reddit has sort of changed a bit in terms of how that traffic gets comes to the site. There are a few more steps involved. But yeah, that was kind of a fun project back in back in the day, back in back 2016. In, back in the day. Oh God, we're getting old, aren't yeah. we? Uh, yeah. 2016 does feel feel back in the day now, especially with the, the whole COVID thing going on. Speaking of content strategy then, can you tell me a bit about what you're doing at Brandwatch high level in terms of content marketing and how SEO and digital PR contributes to that. What are your what are you trying to achieve? Definitely. There's a lot of different content that we produce 
at Bramwatch. So we've got reports and guides and blogs and all our social content, webinars, etc. Yeah. I think we have become much better over the last few years at actually making sure that we're being really strategic about what we do. I think previously it was probably more volume over value and now it's a lot more value over volume or at least we, we try to be. <laughs> um, we all do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our team is made up of, so I'm senior content manager. We also have content writer. We've got an SEO specialist who also looks after our social. We have people who are more in the PR and comms area. And that's kind of our kind of team as it is. Yeah. And then, so our goals are, are around making sure that we give our readers a really, really good experience from a content perspective, as well as ensuring that we make, you know, a big impact. So whether that's drawing people to the site or whether that's getting people to request a demo of Brandwatch or, or download some content through a gate. Yeah. So that's kind of where we focus our efforts at the moment. But essentially it's all about creating really interesting content that lands with our target audience, which has kind of changed slightly over the years. And that is just interesting. Yeah. And, you know, if it's boring to write, then it's going to be boring to read. So we try and keep it as fresh as possible. Yeah, not quite Mario Nipples interesting. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> not so much anymore. Fair enough. You say, you use the phrase, you know, value over volume. How are you going about figuring out what to write for your target audience at the moment? Sure, I think it, it's a real mix. So I think you can use all of the tools in the world and we set, yeah. and we provide some of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you guys bought uh, BuzzSumo a few years back. Definitely, right? yeah. So BuzzSumo yeah. is incredible for that. And also we have Brandwatch audiences, which helps you learn more about your, your target audience. I find a mix of those kind of tools, but additionally, just chatting to people in the business who are, who are on the front line, kind of actually talking to our clients or, or selling to people is yeah. really helpful in terms of learning what the people that we're really going after are interested in. So I think yeah. it's a real mix of the tools and the actual human kind of, mm. kind of input in terms of how we then design a content plan that addresses our audience and their needs. Yeah, absolutely. How do you empower those customer facing teams to either contribute to what you're doing or maybe even ask the right questions when they're having conversations with customers? Mm, it's an interesting one. I think we are lucky in, <laughs> I guess it's a double-edged sword. So we are really lucky that we have really <laughs> engaged teams who will come to us as a content team and nice. ask for things you know i'm going after this particular company can, can we do something around this which is really really helpful a lot of the time and a lot of the ideas are great at the same time we cannot say yes to everything so it's all about <laughs> prioritizing all that feedback um, which yeah. could be a real challenge and one that we are continuously kind of adapting to in some ways i'd say there isn't so much a struggle around empowering teams to give us that feedback. It's more about making sure we prioritize <laughs> and channel that feedback in the right way. And that that's always a, a difficult thing to do. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it's, it's the opposite of what a lot of other in-house marketers have to face in terms of sometimes it's like getting blood out of a stone, trying to get other teams to contribute. But it sounds like you have too much. <laughs> How do you go about prioritizing what is the right project for lack of a better word or topic or you know something that comes through from a sales rep the sales team customer success and all that good stuff yeah so I guess 
getting down to like the real nitty gritty of the content planning. So we'll plan yeah. a quarter ahead of time. And Vic Miller and I, who, who is my boss, will get as much feedback from around the business as possible. So, you know, sales teams, product marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll build out a content plan and then we'll go back to them and check that, you know, does this fit with your priorities? So we have business objectives and key results and then we have team objectives and key results so we try to filter those you know filter all of our work up to those so for example if we're going after companies in a particular sector then we'll ensure that we will gear our content towards that and I guess getting to like the super nitty-gritty level like we'll, <laughs> we'll have um lists of target accounts lists of key accounts you know people that we're going after or people that we'd like to retain and that's really important to us in, in the content planning process as well you know how are we incorporating the needs of those people into what we're writing or creating that's interesting is do you have like a separate abm strategy for approaching those key accounts as well so i think that's something that the broader marketing team definitely is thinking about a lot at the okay. moment but from a content perspective we really try and work in you know content that either speaks directly to or you know is somehow around those accounts that's something we're really trying to focus on at the moment yeah excellent and speaking of nitty-gritty i noticed that you know you started as the social data journalist editor content marketer and i bet as an editor and a content marketer you need to both be in the clouds and the dirt at the same time figure out strategy as well as content operation systems that support it and digging into the latter of the two, how have you made your editorial processes as smooth as possible over the years? What does your operations system look like? You know, it can be a bit messy. Yeah, <laughs> as all things are. Definitely. So we, we've definitely used our kind of fair share of different project management tools. I think for me, one of the easiest ways to, to organize everything is just in a Google sheet with really simple kind of boxes you know who is who owns this piece what are the different different details are we translating globally and, and all that kind of thing I think we've kind of got our process down now for making sure that we're writing for a global audience first and then allowing teams in the different regions to take that content and make it relevant for their region I think the process is somewhat smooth it can always be smoother but the, you know the team is always changing there are always different priorities coming up so that you know it's, it's always a changing and adaptive process yeah absolutely are there any tools that you use to manage things like editorial calendars and things like that bits and pieces so i know, I know we've used Rike previously to go through to, to like assign different tasks and everything like that and it's great for moving those kinds of things around but again like the google sheet is 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 the thing that I, that I could not live without <laughs> the trusty google sheet yeah when in doubt make a spreadsheet exactly do you work with freelance writers as well because i know you mentioned you have an in-house writer do you kind of use a mix or definitely so we have a kind of little bank of freelancers that we're building out of people that we really trust and rely on to yeah deliver different pieces of content it's something that we're exploring more i think you know, from, from my perspective, it's quite a fairly new thing to bring in freelancers to to do the work that previously I would have done myself. So I guess it's yeah. like that thing of adapting to uh, delegating rather than getting everything done by yourself. 
so yeah freelance is definitely a thing that's that's coming more into my sphere and working out how to best organize them and, and make sure that it's not actually causing more work than it is you know worth totally totally how are you going about finding those writers do you have like a hiring and vetting process to some extent I think often it were people who had previously worked at Brownwatch who've moved to a different place who then sure. come back and you know they know the space so well and I guess it is kind of niche in its own way so if they know how to use the platform that's a massive plus I'd say that's the kind of main way that we found freelancers but occasionally you know someone will just give us a recommendation and and we'll give them a, a go and if they're good then we'll keep them on yeah absolutely very good. I'd like to go back to your kind of data-driven content approach because you still kind of do that. I notice you have a lot of trend-driven articles on the blog. How do you make sure you're building a narrative and value around the data that you guys own internally? I think building a narrative around the data is like one of, I guess, it's like one of my favorite topics to talk about internally. <laughs> nice. I think it's because as a journalist taking all this data and turning it into an actually like exciting or informative story is is something that i really love to do mm. but it's also something that people internally at brownwatch so we have like research teams who will be presenting insights to our clients you know really regularly and they'll have to turn their findings into a narrative as well so it's it's like a, a thread that i think runs through Brandwatch from you know the platform itself actually generating insights in a way that that makes sense to our brains mm. through to us then communicating them whether that's you know through a blog post or through a presentation through kind of we have a, a platform called Vizia where you can share your data in, in all these beautiful ways up mm. on screens and that in itself is a form of, of data storytelling so it's a really interesting and I think that's what you know keeps me here and enjoying my role is that that element of telling stories with the data that we have yeah absolutely do you find data to inform a narrative or do you often come up with topic ideas or see conversations that are happening in the space and then go to the data that you have to try and support that cart before the horse kind of thing <laughs> yeah it's, it's always a mix and I think like from you know when when I was the data journalist and, we, and we've had a data journalist up, up to very recently, kind of inspiration can come from pretty much anywhere, you know? Yeah. So I think it's often like we'll spot a trend and then we'll dive into the data and the data will always inform the narrative, but the topic mm. itself might be informed by anything from, you know, looking at the platform through to hear, overhearing our colleagues talking about something in the office. <laughs> so it just depends on, on what's interesting, but also, you know strategically what might be interesting to our to our prospects is really interesting as well yeah absolutely you've got to make sure that you're reaching the audience that you want right exactly and maybe believers are you know <laughs> not the most relevant thing anymore <laughs> no maybe not or x-factor yeah. officiados <laughs> although you never know i'm sure out of the 250,000 redditors you attracted a small percentage were marketers right you know? yeah we still got a few content downloads demo requests through that, that blog post so i'd say it's worth it i call it a success that yeah. way <laughs> do, you ha do you have like a a distribution approach do you do you kind of deliberately test new ways to get your content out there and drive traffic from other sources because you mentioned you know reddit isn't the same as it used to be what else are you trying at the moment to generate that direct traffic 
yeah I guess it's a real mix in terms of distribution so as a team like we'll send emails out we obviously have our social channels something well a massive thing you know that's completely changed how we distribute some of our content is COVID yeah so last year obviously in March we all went remote and we realized that there was this big opportunity to share insights with our network for free that that would really help them understand you know the ongoing situation like how consumers are feeling about different things and that led us to create uh the Bramwatch COVID bulletin I've definitely got the name wrong there <laughs> you, you you could have got away with that yeah. <laughs> um, so that led us to create a covid bulletin that, that we sent out yeah. to a fairly big database of people and, and it grew over time and the open rates were insane on that we had a lot of success with just sharing this bulletin and also we had different reports going out that were all really focused on how covid was changing things so that that was an yeah. example of a new platform like we didn't have a bulletin previously and then we kind of made one up to see how it would go and and now that's kind of morphed into what the Bramwatch bulletin is today so twice a week we'll send out different insights on different emerging trends and like basically things that we find interesting and that we think other people will as well so you go beyond just covid now oh yeah dedicated okay interesting what kind of topics have you been talking about recently on that bulletin all kinds of things so (laughs) we covered the new mars rover recently it will usually be something like fairly topical but also we'll also dive into a a really interesting one we did recently was what people were going to buy each other for valentine's day and we found that rice cookers were like incredibly popular in terms of like we looked at the different gift advice articles that were going around like the top shared gift advice articles and then found the the items that were appearing most in them and rice cookers were just coming out on top all the time which was no way really interesting interesting. yeah yeah yeah, i never would have put rice cookers as the top of a valentine's wish list when you can pull out really surprising insights like that that's i think the value of of the data and, and that's what makes the bulletin really interesting totally does it get picked up by a lot of journalists still we do tend to get um, journalists signing up for the bulletin, which is really nice to see. It's a real mix nice. of kind of clients, prospects, journalists, and occasionally we'll send out data to journalists if we think they'll find it interesting. Amazing. Um, yeah. When we first started that bulletin, we were literally doing it daily and there would be kind of three sections to it. And there were just three of us kind of continuously trying to come up with ideas all day every day and it was a bit mad so I, I'm kind of glad we've scaled it back slightly now um, yeah, but it, now we fair. can go yeah really in depth on on something that's, that we find really fascinating that's really good that's really good to hear yeah I can imagine if it's uh, something that you everyone internally is passionate about writing about then it just gets produced 10 times faster doesn't yeah, it yeah <laughs> yeah definitely. definitely amazing This next question is um, one someone asked me recently, and I always find it a tricky one. So I'm bringing it into the podcast now. What do you think some of the biggest content SEO and digital PR challenges that marketers are going to face in the next 12 to 18 months? And if those are challenges you guys are sharing too, how are you working to overcome them? Interesting. I told you it was a tricky one. Yeah, it's tough. (laughs) I can answer it kind of from our point of view. So we've had a lot of success with... SEO posts, like things that are specifically created to drive that search traffic in the past. And like 
one of the posts that we have that's purely around SEO and it maybe isn't that that relevant to our actual kind of offering will generate I think it brought in like a million page views last year and and it's a a really simple one so I think we're starting to think about how we move away from generating stuff that we know will generate traffic but maybe not so much you know further down the line business results and really trying to focus on on the value not the volume again so thinking about you know how can we get maybe less search traffic but bring in the more relevant people and I think this probably isn't a problem that is just you know for this year it's something that's Mm. definitely ongoing but I'd say like that's the kind of thing that we're thinking about a lot at the moment that's interesting that's interesting so would would it be fair to label that as say bottom of funnel content in a way it's a mix because I'd say traditionally a lot of our SEO posts have been fairly top of the funnel so they might look at you know who's the most influential person on Instagram that kind of thing and yeah I think we're starting to think a lot more with our content generally, not just our, our SEO stuff about, you know, further down the funnel and what's useful. Yeah. And, and I'm, it does, let me try that again. <laughs> does the, that content in terms of topics, does it relate to things that are quite closely tied to the products that Brandwatch offers? Yeah, I would say the like the best SEO posts that we have, in my opinion, yeah. are the ones that are, that will drive traffic and that will drive demo requests or will drive content downloads and i I mean that's a really obvious thing to say Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's uh it's obvious but not always common practice yeah yeah definitely Um, and we have a real mix of some that do it that and some that don't so i think the best performing ones for us tend to be around different tools so for example i think we've got one that's like facebook analysis tools so within that We'd, we would include our own product, but also a bunch of different ones as well. And, and that yeah. kind of thing really helps us drive interest, but also search. But then we also have ones that we'll write around pieces of content that we've done. Like, for example, we've got this week, we've got a report coming out on financial services. And then we'll definitely use that to create blog content that's really SEO friendly that can then drive people to the report. So that those are the things that we're focusing on a lot more and less so probably on on the uh, most influential people on Facebook or whatever yeah. it is. The the Bieber inspired top of funnel yes. content. Hey? Yes. Understandable. <laughs> Understandable. Well, one last question before I let you go. What are you working on at the moment that you're super jazzed about? Ooh. Right now I'm working on a really in-depth piece of market research. Um, and this is something that we have probably not done so much of before. Like we've done a lot of reports, but this one we're really, really focusing on trying to show the credibility of the methodology and building in lots of different data sources. And that's going to be coming out in May, I hope. So this is, um, yeah, the project that I'm working on at the moment. It's like probably one of the most in-depth data pieces I've I've worked on at Brownwatch. So I think that should be hopefully a really high performing piece but also something that I've found really interesting I, I'm not surprised there being a, a lover of all things data hey? yeah. <laughs> amazing Gemma this has been a really fascinating chat where can people learn more about you and what you're up to sure um you can find me on twitter at gl joyce um I'm Gemma Joyce on LinkedIn you should be able to find me um and also please check out brandwatch.com in the resources you can find all of the different content that we put out 
and sign up for the bulletin too. It's really, really interesting. I'm, I'm going to sign up for the bulletin actually as soon as, as, soon as we're done. Here. <laughs> Gemma, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Before you dash, just a quick note to share a free ebook we just published called the Content Operations Playbook. If you're interested in content marketing and SEO, then this ebook is for you. We lift the hood up on our own editorial and content production processes from hiring writers, creating solid content briefs, polishing content to be the best it can be, and of course, distributing it to actually generate traffic. It's totally free and you can download it over at grizzle.io forward slash content ops. That's www.grizzle.io forward slash content ops. And hey, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to subscribe. We've got a lot of great conversations lined up with experts in the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship coming up. Thanks again.